0: Welcome to Women in the Arena podcast, the podcast celebrating women doing extraordinary things in plain sight. I'm your host, Audra Egan, and our mission is to elevate the value, strength, and resilience each woman brings to the world. Without further delay, let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome in everyone. This is Audra Egan, and this is the Women in the Arena podcast. I wanted to jump on here really quick and say thank you. I want to thank you for your support and your encouragement. I'm working really hard every single week to bring you meaningful conversations that will inspire you, encourage you, and engage us all as women in the arena doing extraordinary things and playing sight. Let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome, everyone. I am so glad you're here. I have an amazing guest for you today. She is a vice president of one of the world's largest financial institutions. She has worked for over 20 years as a leader in Fortune 500 companies like Citigroup, Mr. Cooper, and Chase. But in addition to her impressive corporate career, she has served as the adjunct professor professor teaching strategic planning and policy, She's been the Toastmaster President for two chapters. And she is an author of nine professional development and career branding books. It is my pleasure to introduce you all to Latrice Collins. Latrice, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Audra. I'm excited. I am very, very excited to talk to you. But besides your very stellar resume. Tell us a little bit more about yourself so we can get to know you a little bit better.
1: Yeah, well, I'm originally from Chicago, so I was born and raised in Chicago. Uh, by my mother, she's a the hardest working woman I had ever seen. Uh, when I was a child, she worked three jobs while putting herself through college and raising four girls. So you can only imagine what, what our household was like any given time. Um, and so from there, I, I loved being in Chicago and you know meeting so many different people, and then. Um, I went through my bachelor's degrees in in Chicago. And then from there, I moved to Texas, where I am now, when we had um, a family crisis occur with my sister's husband getting sick. And I said, I want to move and be where I can help. And so I came to Texas and um, we... um, We grew even more as a family. It ended up my entire family moved to Texas after that. So now all my sisters and my mom live here uh, in Texas. With we're all we're all within ten minutes of each other. So so excited about that. And um, it's from my move to Texas where I ended up getting into the financial institutions and um, with the Fortune 500 companies. I started off in healthcare and then switched over into finance. Really big, kind of a big difference. But man, what an eye opener to understanding different components of this world and different components of corporate America.
0: Oh, yes. And the, first of all, let me punctuate here that you come from a family of very strong women and has your mother has raised four very strong, independent women. And it's pretty impressive that you all picked up from Chicago and moved all down to Texas to help one. That, that in and of itself speaks volumes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have, you know, I absolutely adore my family and um, you're right there. They um, I, I get to show pictures at times of my sisters. They, they know it, it doesn't take anything for somebody to say something. I say, here's my sisters. And it's exciting because they're they're all brilliant and they're all beautiful heart and spirit and they all care about people and life. And us moving to texas was it truly was a family just trying to stay c- t- together and a family that was dedicated to how can we show our love for each other and our strength for each other and we do that with proximity and my last sister moved um i went through uh cancer a few years back and my last sister i never forget she showed up on a holiday one day and she like kissed my forehead and she was like hi and i was like "Mantra." And, and and after that, that's my nickname for, her. and I, I think within a year or so later, she had was selling, she was like, I'm out, I'm selling, I'm selling, and I'm coming to Chicago, to Texas. So she lives literally, she literally lives about three minutes away from me. So uh, my strength, my strength is literally, you know, God in my family. That, that
0: is a pretty powerful strength. And you and I have talked before, and We talked about personal strength, and we've talked about your story. And you had mentioned earlier in your introduction about you becoming into corporate America and how it started in healthcare and then went into banking and finance. But what we want to talk about today is your journey in becoming visible. So first, before we talk about what that journey was like, would you explain to everybody what
1: becoming visible is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I realized early on that um, I wasn't being seen by people I wanted to be seen by. So any one of us knows what it's like to be in a room and no one sees you. And sometimes that's a boardroom. Sometimes that is, you know, just in your office or uh, just as any location. And you realize I'm not seen. I'm not valued. Um, I am not a person that they want to promote, advocate for or to move forward. And um, I started learning way before I got to Chicago. I started really starting to see how people saw me differently than I saw myself. And even though I was making efforts, the efforts I knew of from my from you know my uh, my experience, I was making strong efforts to be this person and to grow to be that person that they hire or they promote or or they went to for conversations. Even though I was making those efforts, I was realizing that one, that I was invisible. So two things: one, that started this that started the fire into trying to identify how do I help people see me, and then later in my career. Um, it I, I was blossoming and so forth but I started seeing other people who worked really hard and they were really smart but they could never get promoted and I started noticing a pattern of that trying to figure out what is it that's happening with people that you can hear them and it's and it's all walks of life but you can hear them and you can hear them talking and they just can't figure out how to break through and I, and I'll tell people any given time as if I hear a couple patterns I realize they don't see you you have to you have to identify how can you change that dynamic and become seen and seen in a positive way so it's those kind of experiences that really helped me say how do I help people to be able to be seen for the value that they bring to the table
0: Well, I want to talk about your journey of becoming seen or becoming visible. But what I want to emphasize here is that I have felt invisible. I have felt that I have been bringing my best self, but still not being seen for my value. But I've also seen people around me being in that same situation that they have been bringing them best best selves as they saw it, that they were putting forth so much effort but still not seen for their true value, which is why I wanted to have this conversation because I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people. Uh, in your journey of becoming visible, it started with a really interesting event. Will you walk us through what, what happened when you realized I, I need to, I need to elevate my game?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, early on, I was, you know, either early 20s or teens. And I was looking for a job and I was told this particular company is hiring um, downtown in Chicago. And I got in the elevator and, you know, I had put my best foot forward. I'm telling you, I had a suit on, tried to have my hair done right. And I'm um, on the elevator trying to get up to this top floor where HR is to um, interview for this position. And so I asked the ladies who were in the elevator with me. They don't know me, but there's two ladies in elevators with me. And I asked them, was HR on a certain floor, a 19th floor or something? And they looked at me and they so clearly, they looked at me and they looked down at me and they kind of snuck me off and they said, yeah. But then right after that, they started smirking about me. So I'm, now you, you know the size of an elevator. So it's not like they're they're trying to be quiet really about it. But they started saying things like, you know, she thinks she's going to get a role with get a job in this company or she look at her and look at her hair and look at her um, look at her sleeves. Because my suit had rolled up sleeves. I don't know if you all remember, but back in the day, you wear a suit and you might roll sleeves up because they didn't fit your your arms are too short. But they, <laughs> I, I do remember. <laughs> but they started down this path of they were just really, really ridiculing me. While I was on this elevator, I mean, to the point where I felt so incredibly small. And I started thinking, and they start talking about with, with my split ends of my hair and, you know, just not put together and unkept. And I thought I had put the best foot forward. I thought that surely they will see me for dressing this way and doing this way. But it really crushed me. To you know, to have people saying this, and they were totally together, they were totally refined, and to have them talk down and so openly belittle me, that it 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 shook me to the core of trying to find a job and feeling like I was inept and not um, and not um, valuable enough to even apply.
0: I, I think that that was, first of all, that must have been, as you explained, a crushing experience but in that moment you had two choices. Yeah. You, you could have allowed it to crush you and your story ended there, mm-hmm. or you could use that as fuel to propel you forward. And that it's is fair. exactly what you chose to do. Yeah. What, I, you know, what did I you do to, to <laughs> do that? You didn't. Oh. Yeah. It's a, it's amazing what you can do when
1: you don't have a choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, the, understand. So, I, I had to take a step back and say, "Oh my gosh!" And at first, I was crushed. You know, at first, I was, and and, and think about it too. I'm a teenager. I'm, I am, I am in my young, early, late, either nineteen to twenty one. So, I'm young and I'm impressionable. And, I, and, but I remember going home and, besides being crushed, I had to stop and ask myself, "Is there any truth to what they said?" So, you know, some things were their opinion and it would just mean spirited, but, you know, maybe I shouldn't use foam rollers. I mean, so that's <laughs> was, was, was one of those things all of a sudden I said, you know, you could do better with your hair or you could do better with these certain things. So that was one of my first steps in saying, take what's, t- listen to, listen to the message, take what you need to take, remove all the rest, Right. And then later, just a couple of years later, I was in college, and I was at i not going to say my college, but I was in college, and um, I had—I was not a good writer early in my career. I mean, early in my life, I was just, just the worst grammar. I just really was. I didn't know it at the time, but I, I submitted a paper, and one of my professors gave me a D minus, and he wrote on my paper that I would be a failure in life. But knowing you, you'll still try. Oh my gosh. And- uh, and I never told you that story. Sorry. But I yeah. saw that. Oh, my gosh. I cried. I went home. My mother and I mean, I showed her the paper with a D minus and what he said. And, you know, my mama, she was protective bear. She she wanted to go to that university. And I'm like, no, I'll figure it out. And so um, it was hard to figure out because I, I, I didn't understand what was wrong. He was saying, you don't have a flow. You don't have this. You don't have that. And I didn't understand what flow really was. So I was like. I don't get flow and he was so busy yelling at me about it. I'm like, I'm just trying to get what you're saying. Well, I had to take a step back again and say, okay, learn flow. How do you do that? Building outlines. This and I started learning about how to write with flow. And then I started learning about how to, you know, taking more classes on on making sure it was written grammatically correct and things like that. And it just kept building. So from there, you know, I I ended up doing exceptionally well in college, but it was just because I I just was so determined, you know, to regardless to what they said, how do I move forward? And, you know, and that, that message kind of kept going. I was told by one in one of my uh, careers, um, I was a high ranking corporate person and, I didn't, two, two things was happening in my career. One thing is I moved into another kind of industry. So that was different. I moved to another part of the country. That was different. Um, and they didn't particularly care for me back then. Now, this was a lot of years ago, but um, they told, they called me a Yankee and they said I didn't fit because my voice was too deep. And, um, and I didn't, and they were angry with me because, um, because um when I'm articulating, my words weren't always correct or, um, or my enunciation wasn't always correct. I had a, a dialect, an African-American dialect. And um, so they were like, they were just like hammering me on things and I was so not used to that because I was successful where I came from. And now I get into this role and I mean, I felt like I was being punched from every direction. But you came
0: as a fish out of water, basically, <sighs> because you, you moved from the East Coast to Texas, which is across between the Midwest and the South. And yeah. definitely different than Chicago. And so they were judging you through their lens when you were being successful in your environment from where
1: you had come.
0: That is right. That is exactly
1: right. And now I'm in this new environment. And understand, listen, so... When you're in Chicago everything's pretty fast moving right and you don't waste a lot of time with fluff that's just in the culture you know you just <laughs> yeah. you just you know, you get things to happen when you go to the south it's very different so not only was I in Texas I was in Texas supporting the Floridas the North Carolinas and so forth and so those were my regions and, and they would get frustrated because I didn't ask how Jimmy was doing, who Jimmy broke his arm and they, no, she didn't even bother to ask. And I'm like, Err? you know, it, it, I, I didn't even understand, I didn't even understand that. Right. But when, so, so I say that because it was a very difficult fit. I mean, extreme, I had not, I had never seen anything like it where I was attacked so often, so openly, um, uh on so many different angles and you know, one even said oh, one, when uh, the day he met me, he said, Oh, you're going to have a hard time with our, com- with our company. You're smart. You are, uh, you're educated and you're black. Good luck. And he walked away. And I'm looking at him like, wait, can you say that? Can you, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like- so you're here at
0: an, once again, you're at a pivotal mm-hmm. moment and you have two choices. Mm-hmm. So, I know that you took this as a launch pad and as you have made a habit in now a lifelong habit, you decided, what can I take from this? What can I do next? So in this process,
1: where were you and what were you developing at this time? So that's that's a great question. So, Audrey, I didn't hit that point at this point. When I was there, I forgot about things like that. And I tried my best to make them happy. And I tell you, I did everything in my power. I was walking on eggshells. I was, uh, I was trying to figure out how to do the right things for them. I, I did take myself back to college again, to learn even more about whether it's grammar, whether it was, you know, what things were I missing? So I did do that. But even with doing those things to try to enhance myself and try to be everything they wanted me to do, it still wasn't working. It still wasn't working. I still was kind of second class. And, and what, you know, this is one of those things where I had to figure out, and this was probably the life's biggest lesson for myself I was trying very hard to please people by assimilation. I was trying to become that kind of robotic person that they were saying I needed to be. And this was a turning point for me because the reality is when you're not being yourself or truly yourself, you're lost internally, right? Because you can't really be anybody but you. So when you try so hard to be what everybody else wants, you start losing your own identity. Isn't that
0: that the truth? I mean, how many of us have been there that I'm trying so hard. I'm trying to be everything that they're wanting me to be and it's still not working. I think you just said it. It's because you're at at war with yourself and you're not being true to yourself because there's only one of you and only one of somebody else. And you're going to be a terrible somebody somebody else, but you're going to be a
1: fantastic you. Right, right. And the reality is... Here's the deal. When you're trying to be, when somebody is trying to be a puppeteer and they want to make you somebody else, right. They don't even know what that looks like. So they're going to keep changing the dynamics. Oh yeah, but you should do this as well. And you should do this as one. Well. You don't do this well enough. And, and if you keep trying to change and forge and change and forge, you become so miserable internally, you become miserable. You, you end up hating your job, your frustration and your family, Right. Because you are being lost, trying to be somebody somebody else wants you to be. And you can't even be visible because you're not resonating to be visible. Right. You're not resonating as your own individual. So this is where I learned my biggest lesson, Audrey. Audrey, excuse me. I remember at one point, um, you know, things were going south and it was you could feel it. It was just going south. And I was sitting at home one day and I said, You've tried this, you've tried that. I did that self-talk, you know, and you've educated yourself in this area, in that area, you know, you've, you know, where you need to make improvements, you've done it. And it's still not enough. So here's your reality, Latrice. Cause I was always afraid of losing my job, right? Everybody's afraid if they're, if they're the, you know, if, if you're the single income in your household or major income or whatever it is, you're terrified of that. These, uh, that's not new, but I remember saying, you know what, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out being me. I'm just going to go out being me. I was really good at what I did when I was in HR. I was good, not just because of my bank of knowledge when I was in uh, Chicago. It wasn't just my bank of knowledge of laws and, and strategies and things like that. I was good. I knew how to think. I knew how to respond. I knew I knew what how to look and find gaps and bridge gaps. I knew these things. And I was Sought out for what I knew, and so I had to stop and say, "Well, wait. But are you being that same person here, or have you quieted your own voice? Because oh my of goodness, other two people, right?
0: Wow, you had that, and you had to really keep, go deep inside and to find that because you were tearing yourself inside
1: out. I was, I was, I was. You know, and so. And then I realized, I mean, understand, I thought that for various reasons. I'm not invited to the meetings. I can't necessarily go to the certain floors. I mean, it's just all these things where nobody sees me. I'm I'm the equal to 10 people around me, but I'm not, I'm not seen. Right. And, and the reality to me is people, people rarely value what they don't see. They just rarely, value. if they don't see true. something, if they don't see you, and so if they don't see me, they can't value you. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. so this is the point when I had to finally say, you know what, hey, Latrice, just be you then, be you. Now, this doesn't mean I get to come in and go crazy, but it does mean I get to just be authentic to, be authentic to Latrice, enhance me where I need to be enhanced, but be authentic to myself. So I started doing that. I started coming into the office. I started, you know, I would speak now, I would speak more to people and so forth, but I was a little more direct because that's me. Um, and I was, you know, I was clear on my points. I did, I did my work. I was excellent at the work I did. And so from there, I'm like, you know what? Be you and be stronger. You now, whoa! one other point, I've got to tell you the story. So sorry. Give me a second. <laughs> and that, I remember at one point I was responsible for the Black History Month program. Um, I was one of the co-chairs uh, of this, of setting up these events. And we were able to invite the highest ranking African-American to our event. And so we're all excited because getting this man to show up as CIO of this company to show up, whoo, that was huge. And so he gets up and we have a packed, packed room, hundreds of people. I'm all proud. And he got on a microphone and he said in black history month, mind you, he said, and he was African-American. He says, um, you know, I don't look at myself every day and say, hey, I'm a black man. I don't shave and say, I'm a black man. I, you said, I don't, I don't see, I don't look at myself that way. Did that hush the whole room? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Wait, it hushed the room. I, I'm, I'm in the back like, what has happened? I'm I'm clutching my pearls. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Who what is I- he
0: doing? What
1: is he doing? <laughs> what has just happened? Right. Who did I invite to speak? I... And I was so floored because at first I was hearing that as he was not uh, enveloping his true self, right? And then he said, here's what I did. I start." he said, I focus every day on how to bring excellence to the table. I focus on everything that comes through my hands are, 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 are a level that people know it doesn't get better than this. He said, because when you bring excellence to a table, People start not seeing your differences, but they see you and the value you're bringing to help them with their bottom line.
0: That's it right there. That's it mm-hmm. right there. It, that was a
1: game changer.
0: That is, that should be a game changer for everybody yeah. that yeah. they don't see yourself as what you look like, your, your physical presence, your, your gender, what have you, but what are you bringing to as a value to your organization, to your to your firm, to what have you? And are you bringing excellence?
1: Yes, yes. Listen to me, Audra. I mean, what a that, pivotal moment! Woo! It was it was a woo because remember, before that, I had been thinking through. Okay, they said he did some things. Is there truth to it? Yep, there's truth. But it wasn't about bringing excellence. You know what I'm saying? It was just about. Yes. Do you need to enhance in some areas? I tell you this, when I heard that it became a different level game changer. So now I'm in this role, you know, like I said, I'm still, the, the one minute, you know, assimilation is being pushed and I know I'm bringing, I know how to bring excellence now. Listen, I, I just said, okay, here we are. The bottom line is if if they're gonna if they're gonna move me out of this organization, they need to move Latrice out, not the puppet of who I have, you know, of what they're people are trying to make me. It's not about assimilation, it is about bringing excellence, and that's what I'm bringing. So I start, so my conversations just started changing. I started changing, right? And so, you know, I would when I would speak to leaders, my confidence just sounded different because I knew what I was talking about right. And so, you know, now I can you know, look at this page, do this and that. Nope, you're not going to get that information. Let me tell you why. I mean, it was just, boom, I, I just brought it. And not in an arrogant way, it's important to say. I was never condescending to anyone. It was always just very, I have this, I hear you. I could I could listen to leaders and say, hey, John, if I'm hearing you correctly, this is what the pain point is that you're dealing with. And so this is what you're needing help with? Yes, because they want to hear that you heard them, Right. When I started being able to say, hey, listen, I'm thinking I'm hearing what you're saying. Is this the issue? That's the issue. Can we? Can I Can I make some recommendations? Can we consider these certain things? To the point when now leaders are asking for me to come to meetings, they want me to show up. And I remember one of my bosses uh, said, um, he said, who was, he used to ride me like crazy. And he said, he said, so yeah, things are different because people are asking in meetings. I said, uh-huh. And he says, so- what changed? He was so proud because he was thinking it was him. This man who yeah. did everything. <laughs> of course, know, he did. You know the guy who crushes you all the time. The guy who yells at you in front of people. You know that guy. Oh yeah. So Wait, we we all have met that guy. Every yes. single one of us has met that guy. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, that guy, him and I, was it was special because you know one of the times he yelled at me in front of people, I uh, just closed the door and I let him finish. And then I let him know, you know, answered his parts he was talking about. And then I said, let's talk about what's never going to happen again. One, is you ever yelling at me again in front of these people? That's not going to happen again. And he, <laughs> he looked at me. I was just calm and said it. I said, it's not. Absolutely not. That's, that is sub-level human. It is not necessary. Anything you ask for that you want me to perform in this job, I can do it. It's just, if I don't know how to do it, I'll learn it, but I will not be talk, spoke down to, especially not in front of people again. That's unacceptable. And he looked at me, wasn't happy with me, right, for saying that, but okay. Then the next time we ended up meeting was the time when he's saying that people are requesting me. And I said to him, now I don't recommend everybody say this quote, but I did say to him, I said, he said, what changed? I said, i tell you what changed for me. I stopped giving it, giving it darn. and I said and I looked at him I said let me explain what I mean by that I said I was working so hard to please whatever you or other people were saying that I started losing myself I appreciate the coaching that you were providing me on things I need to enhance and here's what I did to enhance myself based on the feedback you gave me so I only gave him the, the, the feedback he gave me that was right okay And I appreciate you telling me that because I wouldn't have gotten better in that area. So I appreciate that. Well, like you said in the beginning is you took what you needed and left the rest. Yes, yes, yes. And And, then they're asking
0: for you. They're asking for you because you saw them when you were explaining to me that they're asking for you, what Mm -hmm. you had said before that is that you acknowledged them and you saw them first. Yes. And then therefore
1: you could bring value so they could see you. Yes. Yes. Now, Oh, can I, can I talk to that point? I know we're on time, but I want to talk to that point because I think right now in our country, there's so many things happening right now that it's so pivotal for us to get this part. When we start talking about becoming visible, And I hope you don't mind me saying this part, but I think right now is what we're seeing is a shakeup happening in the country because people have felt invisible. They have felt like you clearly aren't seeing me because these negative things wouldn't be happening if you valued and saw me. Right. Yeah. Because if you value me, you couldn't hurt me this way. If you value me, you couldn't let other people hurt my babies. If you valued me, you would see what I'm bringing to the table and either help promote or at least stop and defend. Right. If you valued me.
0: It, you should see my face. Cause I am, I am a just aghast at of what you're saying, because it hits home. If, yeah. if you
1: valued me. If you valued me, you would and so see me. You, wow. you, you would. And so he, here's, here's the, the real big point I want to make with that because the pain that exists in people and is existing right now in our country is on two sides, right? There's a pain of people who've been a victim because they haven't been seen. Because these, because they've not been seen as equal or as human or as having rights, whether they don't articulate the same way or look the same way or skin is the same way or the orientation is not the same way, whatever it is. I'm not, they're not being seen as being equal in a human way to get the right, the, the right care. And then there's another side that's been blind. When it's like you see three sides, but then the other side that's been blind. They had no idea. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even know this was happening to you, right? And then there's the part of people who are in some way fearful. And so because they're fearful of differences, when you're fearful of differences, your reaction is naturally built to flight or fight because it's a fear built in because you don't know what can happen from that other person because you don't know them. There's so much, there, there's such a difference between you and that person that like any two species who come together, who've never seen each other before, they're cautious and they're curious, but they're cautious first because survival is the first thing you have to do. It's an, it's an innate
0: nature. It's, it literally is built into our brains that yes. that whole fight or flight. And absolutely that and it's fear of what we don't know where, to, yes. where you where you see the extreme responses yes I, I would consider myself in the camp of i just didn't know i right. i literally didn't and i know that that sounds amazing that how could you not know this because i wasn't raised in an environment like that i right and it just didn't occur to me until it became impossible to not see. Yes. Yes. And, and I, I can see the side of why people are, are fearful, but it's mm-hmm. their, I do see that there's a responsibility of educating yourself and figuring out what don't, you know, yes. beyond the Beyond the journey of what we don't know, because everybody, that's the whole point of this, this conversation is that everybody wants to be seen. Everybody yes. wants to be visible. But yes. we, we, not only do we have our own personal responsibility of making ourselves visible, but as human beings, we also have the responsibility of educating ourselves and seeing other people, being open to see other people in, in, in because of their differences. Yes. Yes. Not in yes.
1: spite of them, but Absolutely. because of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that is, you know, if 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 nothing else, I think one of the biggest lessons I had to learn was I had to learn how to hear someone else. Right. I mean that that's big because even when you are the one who's been um, who's been on a difficult side, right even if you're that person you're sure. And this, and this can resonate with so many people you're working hard. You know, you're the subject matter expert. You're putting in hours, you know, things like the back of your hand, yet you're still not considered an equal or someone credible or someone knowledgeable. You, you do all the things you think you should do. And the, the highest you get is adequate in their mind. That's a difficult spot to be in that no matter how good you are or how much you do, The highest they seem to see you is adequate. Well, part of that goes back to the visibility and the value statement. And the reality of it is it's both sides responsibility to be seen or to get seen. But here's the thing to learn or the thing to take away, take nothing else away, the thing to take away. Um, Part of your growth is your ability and your willingness to hold a conversation. It is your ability and willingness to go to the table and say things such as, you know, I, you know, I appreciate what you've given me and how you explain these particular parts. Would love information from you on how I can enhance in these other areas. Some people may feel they've done that already. Okay, do it from a different perspective or a different angle, right? If you are struggling and you're struggling in workforce people, and this can go anywhere, not just the workforce, but it, it's humans in all these cases. So to be able to say, you know what, one of the things I recognize is you do X very well, whatever X is, and you're real about it. Because this is not about blowing smoke. It's not about being fake. It's not about trying to manipulate. It is about building true relationships, true communications between each other. So I can feel you, you can feel me. Well, when you open up that door and you say to somebody, if I say, you know, Audra, I really have valued on how well you've been able to start your own business with the podcast and how you're bringing great sources in and so forth. Would you mind being a mentor for me in one of these particular areas? It's something I need to really grow in. And this is real talk, right? Where you as no matter how you feel in general, most people, now there's always those percentiles on the edges, but most people, no matter how they feel when a person asks them, honestly, if there's an opportunity to be mentored by you in one area, you know, we can do, and, and the mentoring can be offline. It can be during workouts, whatever the period, the item is that's easy for you. I take 15 minutes a week or 15 minutes every two weeks, whatever. Right. But if I can learn from you, then I feel I can grow myself in those areas. Normally what happens is one, you've honored that person. So you've told them something that you value in them. And it's something that's real that they do. Two, you've opened up a vehicle, a road, a path for the two of you to have a conversation that's different than everything else that you've been doing so far. And three, you have diminished what's called social distance from a sociology perspective. And social distance is the more we have alike, the, the smaller the social distance because we can relate on so many different levels. The le- if we don't have much alike at all, you know, then the social distance is huge. So if I'm from Chicago and you're from Texas, that's a big social distance. If I'm a female, you're male. If I'm African-American and you're you're Caucasian, you know, it's a lot different. There's, if I was single-parent family, you were raised with both parents. I was, you know, low income, you were middle to high income. All those social differences creates this huge huge void that's a big that creates this big social distance between us to the point a person may not even know how to communicate with me or vice versa because the only thing we've seen on that a person who fits that characteristics is what we've seen on the news and then typically that's not in your favor so there's a fear factor that's built in well that's how
0: that's how the news gets their point across is they're 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 selling fear yeah, really yes, they're absolutely. feeling fear. And they're socializing it, it. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not in their best interest to yep. close the gap. Because yep. if you close the gap, then you eliminate the that level of fear. And you know, as we you know, as we go back to that idea of being visible, what Latrice is saying is that you are reaching out to another individual and seeing them first.
1: Mm-hmm. So then they
0: can see you. And you, by making that act, are closing that gap and also allowing the opportunity for you to be seen and valued.
1: Yes. Yes. It's, it's,
0: it's, if, if, if individuals would take the time to take a pause and a moment, and as Latrice has said, is to see what we are most similar with rather than what we're most different with this would be a whole lot easier to get through these hard times. If we could just have dialect like Latrice and I are having, and that we hope that you are getting from this. If we can open up dialect and have the opportunity and being open to being seen, that means yourselves as well, and being open to allow other people to be seen, we can elevate us all.
1: Can you say that better? I, La, it better? Beautiful. It's beautiful.
0: Latrice, uh, will you come back again? Because I know that we are running short on time and you have so much more to say. And uh, not only just about being visible, but also about closing that social that social distance. Uh, will you come back another time so oh, we can absolutely. talk more? Absolutely. I, I, th- I, I think love we would, this. I think we would all love it because... Um, we need more of this. We need more dialogue. We need more open dialogue and we need a dialogue where we all feel safe in order to do this and ask questions, ask the awkward questions, ask the difficult questions. This is safe. If everybody, anybody has questions, please send them to me and I will filter them to Latrice and I know she has no problem in answering these at all. So, so and I'm speaking for you, but I know your heart.
1: Um, um, yes, yes. I'm smiling. No, you can't see me back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, 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 would, I would love to. And, uh, I, and let me just say, I just so appreciate that you had the foresight and the vision to create this vehicle because it feels good. It feels right. I've enjoyed every moment of it, but I also know that your listeners, they get to hear what you're bringing to the table. And it's, it's all designed to see how do we heal and grow? Right. And this is fantastic. I, I think it's going to be just powerful. I can't wait to hear all your other shows, too. I've been listening, I've been following you, and I think this is just a beautiful thing that you do.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you. Because my mission is to inspire, encourage, and just spread positivity. And it starts with women. And let's spread it to everywhere else. Um, but Latrice, before I let you go, you know, I ask everybody the same three questions. And I am very curious as to what your responses are going to be. Uh, I know they're going to be intriguing. So, <laughs> so first off,
1: what are you currently reading? Um, so I am rereading that. this is going to be wrong I am I'm reading two things one I'm rereading Indigo and that's just a historical romance novel that I just love by Beverly Jenkins so I'm reading that but then I'm also reading the book of Enoch so I just thought I would read one of those uh, kind of Dead Sea Scrolls books and learn even more about um, uh, Christian history so excited about both of those
0: those are those are both good really good <laughs>
1: Um, and totally different.
0: <laughs> um, you know what? You got to exercise both sides of your brain. If you're going to open it up, open it all up. Right, right, um, right. <laughs> so the second question is, what are you currently learning?
1: Oh wow! So uh, two things. One, I am, if nothing else, I am learning the strength of being steel, and okay. um, and being and and not. And this may sound crazy, but I am normally a person who. Operates twenty four seven, and so now I am learning, especially with COVID, I am learning how to be still, and be peaceful, and be healthy, and that has been just from really focusing on that. I've actually lost almost twenty pounds just <laughs> just. Oh just wow! From- I know, right? <laughs> it's it's been great that I have, um, and it's just literally stopping, stopping out of rushing, stopping the running, and just slowing it down, just taking that time to stop and learn how to enjoy the moment and how to take care of me even better. So it's, it's been great. That's a great
0: lesson. Everybody take note because I think that's a lesson that if anything can be learned from COVID, it's taking better care of you.
1: Yeah. So
0: the last question is what's next for you? You know, it's interesting.
1: I uh, I had, had kind of taken a sabbatical on uh, certain things, so I, and then I decided recently that I may write. Uh, I think it'll be my tenth book, and so I've been really vacillating on that topic. But um, lately, it has come to me that I might write, but one more book, and but this time be a little different. So not necessarily. Corporate professionalism, you know, not not necessarily your branding, which is what I normally write on. But how do I touch the heart of people, right? So that it doesn't matter where you are, what are you doing? How do I help talk to more people and touch, if I can, more people that just helps somebody to take that breath and make it that much better. You know, that is a worthy goal
0: because that is that is the same goal I have. I'm just approaching it a different way. Um, yes. and Latrice, thank you. Thank you. This was an amazing conversation. I hope everybody got that. And I will definitely have you back as soon as I possibly can. But thank you for your time and your generosity of spirit. And your are willing to be authentic and open. It's very important. And it means a lot to me. So thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's
1: been fantastic. I, I can't wait to come back on again.
0: I'll get you here as soon as I can. (laughs) Thank you everyone for listening. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your willingness to be open and we'll see you again next time. That's our show. Before I let you go, I have some business that I need to get to. First, I want to thank my guests. I am continually awed at your generosity of spirit and the vulnerability that you continue to bring to our conversations. To you, my audience, you are incredible. Thank you for growing with me, and I hope that I continue to exceed your expectations. And to my team that helps me pull this off every single week. To our composer, Star Diva, who is amazingly talented. To Alan Bruckner, our graphic designer, Thank you for taking my crazy ideas and giving it life. To Savannah Boster, our social media manager, you do this so much better than I ever could. And last, but certainly not least, our producer, my number one son, Gavin Agan. Thank you for supporting your mom with her dream. I couldn't do this without you, kid. Please follow us on our socials at Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Arena Underscore Women. See you next week. This is just the beginning. That's our show. I am so grateful for each and every one of you and your unwavering support and your continued belief in this movement that has become much bigger than me, much bigger than just a podcast. It has become this forward momentum that we are all doing together. If you are ready or you know somebody that is, that is ready to tell your story and share your value with the world, please connect with me you can reach me at audra at women in the I am so honored and thankful that you will share your story with me and I'll make sure that it is well taken care of. I will never stop thanking each and every one of you. And I cannot wait to talk to you again next week as we share another woman's story and we celebrate her doing extraordinary things in plain sight. We'll see you next time.